0: Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner.
1: We're we're starting a, a new series called Living the Intentional Life. And um, this has been a common theme that has just kind of been springing up uh, for me personally over the last couple of months. And, and, um, and we're going to be diving deep into the book of James. I'm going to do something that I never do here at Grace Church, and that is kind of it's kind of teach, you know, line by line, verse by verse. We're going to go through the book of James because I think the book of James is one of the greatest books that if you're going to be living intentional... You know what I mean. If you're really going to live purposefully, the Book of James is one of the best books that we can dive into. Not that there's not others, but but pray for me because I'm going to be teaching and preaching in a way that 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 is a little bit different for me. But but it's the right way to do it uh, for this series. I also want to encourage you that that if you have kind of given up on your on your paper Bible, your paperback or your leather-bound Bible, and you've gone digital like I have. I'm going to ask you over the next just just several weeks, um, just to break out that Bible again and bring your bring your Bible. I see many of you have them um, here, and and I'm going to ask you to do something maybe that you think is sacrilegious, but mark it up, mark it up, highlight it, underline it. You know what I mean. Um, as we go through the book of James, begin to you know, put side notes on the, you know, on the side because I'm telling you, as you're flipping through later on in life, you're going to be coming across some of the things that the Lord has identified in and through this series. And so I'm encouraging you, um, break out your Bible, the old school Bible, bring it with you, start reading it, especially this time of the year. And then if you go back to your electronic version later, you know, God bless it. But who knows, maybe, you know, maybe maybe you'll keep your your you know, your Bible as as your as your main way that you you know that you read and so we're going to go ahead and just jump right in but before we do i'm just going to ask the lord lord help me today to get out the way god i thank you for your word we're going to be covering a lot of it today and i pray lord that your word changes the hearts and the lives of your people in jesus name amen so the bible starts off in james 1 and verse 1 it says this james a servant of god and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I love how this starts. It begins by saying that he is a servant of all. Um, What this really speaks of is it speaks of, of humility. And I want you to know that humility is important to God. It's important that you are humble and not prideful. It's important that you're humble and not prideful. In fact, if there is a a theme that runs through the book of James, humility would have to be among the themes that continues, you know, throughout the whole book. And I love James. Uh, You know, he says this, he says, you know, he's showing his humility, a servant of God and also of, of of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you know, and I know that James was the brother of Jesus. Right. He was he was the brother. He was raised in the same home as as Jesus was was raised in. And so this would have been an incredible opportunity for James if he had any pride for him to name drop. You know what I'm saying? Name drop. Some people are really good at name drop. My good friend uh Pastor Daryl, he name drops all the time and I always call him on it. You just think you're cool because you know that person? It's not impressing me. Um but some people name drop, right? They name drop. He's he like James could have been like, Do you know who I grew up with? Do you know like like whose blood? I have I have some of the same blood that runs through. Do you know that there's gotta be like a super special anointing for me just because I was in close proximity, you know what I mean, to you know, to Jesus. He could have name dropped, he didn't. He never said, Do you know who I am? You know, do you know who you're addressing? Do you know who you're talking? No, it wasn't. Um, let me just ask you a question. If you grew up in a home and, and we know that James didn't didn't really believe that Jesus was the Messiah until Jesus died. But but if you grew up in a home and your brother or your sister was the savior of the world, come on, how easy would that be to buy into? You know what I'm saying? How easy would that be? You know, to to the, in fact, I was going to I was going to title this this message today. The other brother. Or the man in the shadows, because could you imagine being a brother to Jesus like do you, anybody here grow up with a golden child in your family like they could do no wrong. But you did all the maybe you were the golden child and maybe that's why, you know, not a lot of you are raising are raising your hands, but. But I kind of feel for James a little bit. Jesus was probably always getting, you know, praised. And James was probably the black sheep of the family, I'm guessing. I don't know that for sure, but... but, but I, I, I love the fact that he didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, the Savior of the world until Jesus died. And then James went on to be one of the greatest pastors. He was the pastor of Jerusalem and, uh, and, and pastored a very, very important group of people during, um, during that time. So it continues on here, James 1.1. It says, to the 12 tribes that are scattered among the nations. And what this is giving reference to, and I encourage you to go back and read the book of Acts, but... But this gives reference to Acts chapters 8 and Acts chapters 9, which shows us that there was great persecution in the early church. Like the book of Acts, it gives you a picture of what the church is supposed to look like. In chapters 8 and 9, there was grave persecution and Christians, listen now, Christians could not meet together. They couldn't gather up together, huh? Interesting, 2021, it's one of the big things that we are faced with today. Maybe not as much in Idaho, but in Oregon, Washington, California, some of these other places, the church has not been able to assemble together, come on, since March in some of those cases. And so the book of James is really an instructional book also on how do you do church when there are. Are limitations put on you where you cannot gather together in groups come on super powerful and super uh, uh, focused on on the day that we live in come on here here today and so the title of today's message is this dealing with trials and temptation dealing with trials and temptation I think this is a great topic Come on for 2020. We've we've uh, we've done everything from losing, you know, an incredible basketball player, Kobe Bryant, um, this year, to dealing with the coronavirus and everything in between. And so, dealing with trials and tribulation, how do you deal? How do you properly go through trials? And how do you deal with temptation and tribulation? And I just want to say this: that you're going to hear this a lot. And, and in fact, I would just encourage you to write this down. Listen now, if you don't quit, you will win. If you don't quit, you will win. And I'm telling you another thing that has been so strong on my heart for the past several months is this that in the end times, which is which I believe that we're we're very much a part of, in the end times, there's going to be people. Come on, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. There will be people that have walked with God for a long time. They've been raised in the church. They believe God, but they're in the end times because of the shaking that's going to take place and that is taking place. They're going to deny their faith. They're going to walk away from the Lord and, 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 and it's going to blow people's mind. But at the same speed... I believe that there's an incredible harvest that's going to come from people that haven't been a part of the church at all. They, 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 have, they, you know, they, they weren't raised maybe like you were raised. They didn't have the understanding, the upbringing, maybe like you did. They didn't come from the legacy, come on, that, that you had come from. But there's going to be an incredible harvest that takes place. And I just want you to know that it's very important that you don't give up. It's very important that you don't quit. Many people, I believe, will quit. But, but this is why the Apostle Paul says, I have ran my race. I have finished. Somebody say finish. I have finished my course. It's very important that you just not start well, but you finish well. The Bible goes on in James chapter 1 and verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, um, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. See, trials are situational things that happen to us like 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 you're going through life and 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 you have no control, whatever trial is gonna is gonna be knocking on your doorstep that day. you know it might come in the form of a phone call where you have lost you know a loved one we need to pray for we need to pray for uh dana and and uh and and uh Darlene why was I going I was going to call you Darlene but that wasn't it um, and we need to pray for uh, Darlene she just recently had lost her lost her dad be praying for her she's she's going to be putting together the services you know uh, you know with a uh, you know couple of states away and 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 you this year you have been faced with many trials you know it might be just a broken down car but you only had one car you know to use it might be that you you know you came down with coronavirus and while everybody else is going through, you know, the virus, you know, uh, unscathed or maybe they were just a little lethargic. But you're going through life and you didn't sign up for it. But this is what we call life just happening like life happens. And there are trials that just situationally, you know, take place and and you didn't ask for them. Uh, Maybe it was even as, as small and you're thinking it's huge, but it's as small as an argument, you know, with a co-worker. And um, and, and, and and you know, you just can't you can't really even get excited about going to work because of that one person. I'm telling you this today that God doesn't cause these trials, but I want you to know this, that he will use these trials to bring about good things in your life. Amen. That's a good place just to say, yeah, the Lord can use the hard situations. Come on to do good things in my life. And you've seen it in the past, like some of your greatest testimonies have come out of hardships, right? You've seen it in the past, but whenever you're in a situation, it's hard to really, you know what I mean, to consider it all joy when you fall into diverse trials and and temptation. But I'm telling you, God is in the business of using those things to produce good things in your life. So number one is this. God uses trials to increase maturity, God uses trials to increase maturity, something that the Lord has been speaking to me for a long time, many years now, is that it's time for the church to grow up. I think, unfortunately, the church um, and and I, I I speak to myself, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the church is as a whole. But we have probably remained infant in some areas for far too long. And I feel like the Lord is calling us, you know, to grow up. And I'm just saying that trials will cause a person, you know what I mean, to grow up. Like when you don't have anything else that you can trust, come on, you are left to trust the Lord. And you're left to, you know, to to ride that out with the Lord. Trials cause us to get a godly perspective. He says, listen, consider it. Consider it pure joy. This is like the passage of scripture that says, blessed are those who mourn. Like it doesn't make any sense, right? Like in and through your sadness and your mourning, there's blessing in that. Doesn't make a lot of sense. Consider it pure joy when you face trials and temptations. Listen, what I can tell you today is you can't always or you can never really choose the trial that you're going to be facing, But you can always choose the attitude that you have in the middle of the trial. And I'm telling you what, parents, if you've got kids in your home and Braylon, it's so awesome to see you got one on the way and and just a brand new one. I would encourage you to to raise your children, knowing that difficult things are going to happen. They can't really choose what they enter into, but they can choose the attitude in which they have while they're dealing with whatever it is that they have. Amen. Whatever it is that they're going through. That's a good word. Um, Consider it pure joy. I remember in anybody any high school football players. Come on, you go to a high school football game and you're just like, man, boy, if I could pad up again, you know what I mean? You know, you always see yourself so much better than what you would really be. Boy, those boys are moving real slow out there. If I could just put the pads on, it would be like in slow motion. I'd be going at a snail's pace. But boy, let me lay some wood on somebody, and I guarantee you, I'll just lay on them for a while. But but it's interesting. I remember daily doubles. Anybody remember daily doubles in football? I heard they're getting away from that. What a shame. What a shame! Getting rid of daily doubles. Daily doubles for you that do not know—it's where you would go to practice early in the morning, and then you would go to practice again, um, you know, later on that day. And it was—it was he double hockey sticks is really what it was. But you would always have that person that was super motivated coming up underneath, like 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 major oppression. Like these, this would be the guy that would be like, you know, everybody else would be dragging, and this would be the guy. It, He's just had too much caffeine. He'd be like, woo, let's go, woo, come on, ah, let's go. And you're just like, mellow out, man. They're going to think that we like this, and they're going to keep us longer. But this is the deal, is that that person, even though everybody's like, shh, that person in a matter of time, they will change the atmosphere because next thing you know, everybody else will be like fired up. Woo! What a hit. Wow, that was great. Let's do it again. Let's let's run it again. And it's amazing what can happen with the right attitude in a bad situation. Come on, you will find these people. And I encourage you not only just to find them, but become one of those people. It changes the atmosphere. 1B is this trials cause you to trust in God's process. Once again, when you're dealing with something big that you can't handle yourself, you ain't got nothing better else to do than just to trust that God's going to bring you through it. Amen. And guess what? He will bring you through it and your faith is increased, which also increases your maturity. Let's go on to James chapter one and verse four. It says, let perseverance finish its work. So you're persevering. You're working through it. Let it finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Another theme in James is maturity, like God is calling us to grow up. And so he desires you to be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I think it's interesting when we when we are parenting our kids. Right. We ask them to do things, but we really don't give them a lot of details, a lot of information on what it is that we're asking them to do. I want you to rewind back to the point where you taught your son or your daughter how to ride a bicycle without training wheels. Right. They, they got super comfortable with the training wheels for like two days. Like I was ready to take them off in two days. This is nonsense. My boy is not going to be found in this neighborhood riding around with training wheels. I know you're only two and a half, but come on, let's you know what I mean? Let's let's speed up the process here. And so what you do, what'd you do? Yeah, you know, you got the seat and you might even be holding the handlebar and you're just like, yeah, you feel that? You feel that inertia, that momentum? You're just like, I don't even know what those words are, dad. And, and, and you're just going, you're going, you're going. Oh man, you're doing good. Do you feel that balance? Do you feel we got the right speed up and this and that? And, 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 then, and then you're like, okay, listen, I'm gonna take my hands off you. And they're like, what? Are you you're going to remove your hand? You see, they don't know about momentum. They don't know about inert. They don't know about these things. But one thing they do know of is they see that ground, that pavement. It's hard. They've fallen on it at the speed at which you are traveling and then falling on it. It, it looks like a bad day whenever you they hear the words. Listen, I'm going to remove my hand from, you know, from the seat and and I'm going to let you go. Right. But guess what? Amazing celebration whenever they're like, Dad, do you see me? Dad, do you see me? And then they're looking back, Dad, see I'm doing. it. And then they hit a car or something. They hit a mailbox, and then you gotta encourage them. You know, you gotta encourage them through that. And and uh, it, but it doesn't make it doesn't make sense. Um, uh, C.S. Lewis said it like this: that God whispers in our pleasures, right? How many of you, when life is good, you 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 know you hear the voice of the Lord, but it's more like a whisper. But he shouts in our pain, right? There are some incredible things that that that, that you can learn only in painful, difficult situations. It goes on to say that pain is his megaphone to rouse a a deaf world. And so trials can cause us to draw closer to God. uh, James chapter one and verse five, it goes on. If any of you lacks wisdom. It says you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. It's amazing what God can do when we ask him. I'm reminded of so many testimonies, but I see Mr. Sigmund over here on my left. They're always moving around. I don't know where they are, but I tracked you down. And and Jeff, several years ago... You know, he told me of a time whenever they had a real early frost and, 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 and it was or is that a time you know during the harvest and and um, and and anyhow a lot of farmers were really nervous about uh, you know, about this freezing that was taking place. And he and Lloyd Smith and maybe some other people, they went out and they began to pray around his property, around his fields, around the acreage that he was, you know, that he was growing. And the testimony was this, you know, that, that many of the fields around him, you know, they lost everything, but his was sustained. And you know what? The reason Why? is because here's a couple of men that just said, listen, we're going to ask God to do something that we can't do for ourselves, and we're going to trust that he's going to do it. And at the end of the day, the Lord spared their field, which also increased his faith, which also grew him up into a place of, of, of knowing where to go in the future whenever you're faced with difficult things. Now, listen, we're fixing to enter into 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we've done this for many years now, but January 1 through January 21, every morning from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m., every single morning for those 21 days, we're going to we're going to fast and we're going to pray. And I'm asking you to start a list right now. Uh, You you don't have to fast. It's a it's a it's an encouragement. Uh, I'm not putting on you to fast, but but I am putting on you to, you know, to pray. And, and you may add fasting to that. But I want you to be thinking about what you need to ask God for and believe God for going into this year of, of 2021. I'm telling you, the best thing that you can do is start off uh, the year with, with, with fasting and, and, and with prayer. Um, just, just my opinion. And this is the deal. Every single year that we start this off, Every single year we hear stories about how God answered prayers, answered questions that we brought before the Lord during that 21 day period. And so um, so it's very important that when we ask that we check our faith. Right. When you ask the Lord, and I do this all the time because I pray with a lot of people, people will say, hey, I got a situation. Okay, let's go ahead and pray for it right now. Some of these situations are massive situations like like somebody's got stage four cancer and they're and they're given an expiration date And I just feel like, you know what, let's just pray about this. And I'll ask God crazy things like God heal them of their cancer. But you know what I'm doing the whole time I'm praying? I'm going to give you some insight that what I'm doing the whole time I'm praying for any prayer is I'm asking myself, do you believe what you just asked for? Do you believe what you just asked for? Are you just, are you just acting like a Pharisee and you know, you're supposed to pray? Come on, you ask God to, 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 to break down this cancer, to curse the very seed of cancer and remove it from the body. Do you think that he can do that? And I have to keep telling myself, you better believe I think that he can do that. And so I'm constantly asking myself, are you believing what it is that you're asking? Because if you're not, then it's not effective and it's not going to do anything. James chapter one and verse six, it goes on when you ask, believe and don't doubt. The one who doubts is like a wave of the seas blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. The truth is is that there are times in my own life where I'm double-minded and I'm unstable. But but what I love about my relationship with the Lord is that when I am double-minded, like I'm asking myself, you know what I mean? Are you... You have some faith in this area, and it usually doesn't take me very long. Come on, to you know, to get right back in center. Uh what does double-mindedness mean? It it means this: like whenever you ask God to do something on your behalf, and you're just like, Oh man, praise the Lord, but then you don't trust him, and so you pick it back up yourself. Come on, now now maybe there's some more double-minded people in here and not just me. Anybody ever just give something to God only to find yourself picking it back up, only to find yourself having to give it to God again. Right. And so and so this is a wrestling match. It's not I'm not saying just come on, church, wake up and do these things. I'm just saying we got to practice these things, because when you practice them, come on, you will become proficient in them. I remember my kids. I, I'm a swimmer. I love the water. If you, you know, I go to the ocean. I, I don't I'm not a person to hang out on the beach. I'm in the stinking water. I love the water. I grew up uh in the water spending i i I think i've got gills someplace on my body um but uh uh but but i just I, i i love it i remember teaching my kids you know what I mean? How to swim. Like I was from the old school that I remember dad just, we were in a boat and dad just said, you want to learn how to swim? Yeah, I want to learn how to swim. I was little, little. He just picked me up and threw me over into the water. I didn't do that to my kids. That's child abuse. But, but, uh, but guess what? I learned how to swim. Like, like, and I hope somebody in the boat knew how to swim if I just would have sank so they could have come and gotten me. But but I remember with my kids, each of them standing on the side of the uh, the pool and they're little, 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 little. And I'm there to catch them. I'm just like, come on, Job, Come on. You can do it. And they're just like, yeah, Dad, Yeah. And then they would get all they would think about it. And then they would be like, no, they would walk away. I'm like, I'm coaching. Come on. Trust me. Have I ever let you down? Well, wait, don't answer that question. Uh uh trust me, jump, 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 and then they're there, and then they, they shrink back a little bit. It's like, Dad, I trust you, but I don't trust all of that wet stuff that is around you. Right? And so, and so, so finally they come to a place where they where they make that leap of faith, they make that choice to come on to jump into an unknown space. And I'm just saying that those choices are ready and available for us to make every single day. God calls you to jump into places with complete faith that you've never been before. And once again, I'm telling you, some of the most incredible testimonies come out of the most difficult moments. I remember when I was a kid, I was probably only four or five years old. Why they even let me on this side of the pool, I, I don't even know. Um, but I remember it was at the Filer swimming pool. Uh, My parents lived out on 3700 and I learned how to swim and I would go to the Filer swimming pool all the time. And the Filer pool was the first place that I jumped off the high dive like by myself. I was a great swimmer, but I remember walking out to the edge of that high dive and it was probably about 15 of my little bodies. It seemed like it was a long way down there. And then I would just shrink back. I got a line of kids that are just mad, yelling at me, jump, would you just jump? come on you know and you certainly don't want to walk i've never been one to do the walk of shame if you are i will pray for you but the walk of shame is walking back down the ladder when everybody else is just like boy you know don't be that person um And but I remember jumping and how elated and excited I was when I was able able to do that. First Peter, chapter one and verse seven says this. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. They will prove that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than gold. So when your faith remains strong through trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Once again, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, listen, if you don't quit, you will win. You need to turn to your neighbor and say, if you don't quit, you will win. If you're too far from a neighbor, travel a little bit and tell him, listen, if you don't quit, you will, you will win. Number two is this Satan's plan for temptation is to destroy you. I want you to know that if God can use trials to grow you and mature you, Satan can, can use temptation to to destroy you James chapter 1 and verse 13 it says this when tempted and guess what it's going to come like temptation is coming there is no way around the temptation it is coming when te- when tempted no one should say that god is tempting me for god cannot be tempted by evil nor does he tempt anyone listen trials they happen to us they're external we have no choice in the matter Temptation happens inside of us, and we always have a choice in temptation. God will always give you a door in which you can flee that temptation. It will always be there. It's like a fork in the road, man. You can go this way into the temptation, or you can run. You can flee from it, but you always have a choice. So I want to give you the process of temptation so that you can understand uh, where temptation comes from and you can understand how the devil will use temptation to destroy you James chapter 1 and verse 14 says this But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires And so you got something broken on the inside of you and he uses those evil desires to entice you and then it goes uh, then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Come on, it's like a it's like a Venus flytrap. Anybody have a Venus flytrap growing up? We had one in our family. Javi went out and and I don't know where he got it, but he's got a Venus flytrap. And and a Venus flytrap is man, it is seductive to a fly. I don't know if the smell is just wonderful, but it's like some of you elk hunters, you know what I mean? You go out elk hunting in the rut, you put some stanky stuff on you to, to attract, to attract, uh, you, know, a, you know, an elk, you know, to come, you know, to come in. And, and, and so it looks good, it smells good, but I'm telling you, it'll kill you. Um, so number one is deception. You're, you're deceived. This started all the way back in Genesis chapter 1. This is whenever, you know, whenever they Adam and Eve, they said, did God really?" they were challenged with the question, did God really say and they took their eyes off the Lord? And I'm just saying this, that temptation begins when you take your eyes off of the Lord, you take your eyes off the Lord and then you start questioning things. And that leads into desire and, and desire is almost like the bait on a hook you know you're fishing for a big old bass there are certain things that bass like you're 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 fishing for a big old trout there are certain things that trout like and so you bait the hook with desire you put on them you know you put on the hook you hide the hook with desire so that they're attracted to it they'll hit it and guess what the end result is 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 death and and the big three there's many other desires that we can have but the big three are lust greed and pride lust greed and pride lust greed and pl- and pride it, it destroys people uh very quickly and guess what the enemy knows your lure because he's been studying you for a long time so so that leads to a, a disobedience disobedience i'm not going to spend a lot of time on it it's the very act of sin and then sin leads to death have you ever met somebody that's completely alive but they're dead. Have you ever met somebody that was fired up about the things of God filled with life at one point and then a year goes by and, and they're completely a, a different person? They're dead, they're alive and they're breathing, but they're spiritually dead. Like they're, like there's no life, there's no hope, there's no love. Come on, all you see is destruction and, and disparity. And and in death, you've got shame, guilt, and condemnation. You've got all of these issues that are robbing you. And I'm just saying that if you found you yourself in that place today, you're dead. I want you to know the good news is there's there's resurrection power in Jesus name. You know what I mean? We're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, but there's a time 33 years later, whenever he was nailed to a cross, he was put into a tomb, but on the third day he rose again. Amen. And, and, And guess what? He gives us that same ability to rise again, rise up out of the ashes and he brings beautiful things out of destruction and dare. And I'm, just, I'm just telling you that God will, God will bring back to life the things that the enemy has taken from you. Rave Zacharias said this, sin will take you farther than you ever wanted to go. It'll keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay and it'll cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. That's what sin will do. And so if you've got sin in your life right now, I'm just asking you like the best thing that you could do today is repent of your sin. Come out from that place. Close the door on that thing. Do whatever it is that you've got to do to come out and stay out. So how do you come out? That's the big question. I'm going to write these. I want you to write these things down. Number one, be real about your weakness. The problem is, is we've come out of a, a movement of church where everybody has to act like they're okay when they're not okay. We've been out of this place for a long period of time here at Grace Church, but I'm telling you what, it's okay not to be okay. And you can be true about your weakness. You can be truthful about your struggle. And, and I just absolutely love that. It's not going to do you any good to put on your game face whenever you've got a mess come on in your life. You're not able to get sleep because, because there's so much conflict in your life. James chapter 1 and verse 16 says, don't be deceived. And I would say if you're living like that, don't be deceived, my dear brother or sis, uh, sister. I want you to know that we cannot do this Christian life alone. And while you might be surrounded by a lot of other Christians, if you feel like you can't open up to even one of them, then something is majorly wrong. Because there is something beautiful that happens. There's healing that takes place when we're able, come on, to confess our sins one to another. I'm not saying air your dirty laundry, but you better have somebody that you can be real with and say, you know what? I'm really not doing that great. And and man, I just stumbled and I fell. and, And honestly, the biggest thing that I could use right now is maybe a little encouragement, but even more than that, some prayer. First Peter chapter five and verse eight says, stay alert, watch out for your enemy, the great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. Listen, if you're doing life alone, you are an easy target for the enemy. This is why uh, all these African animals, man, they, they travel in herds and bunches because when one might be drinking, or the other might be, might be eating, you've got a whole bunch of them that are aware of their surroundings. And so it, one can alert the whole crowd, but if you're, if you're by yourself, come on, you are just easy, easy prey. And so number two is this. You have to strengthen the areas that you're weak in. You know your areas of weakness, and if you do not know your areas of weakness, I'm going to give you a beautiful formula Where does the enemy continue to tempt you? Because he is showing you his battle plan. Wherever it is that he continues to hit you, that's that lure that he is setting before you. And I'm just telling you that 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 is the area of weakness that you have to give some attention to. Come on, if, if if every war, if one side had the enemy's battle plan, They would lose like that enemy that that gave up their battle plan. They would lose 10 times out of 10 times. And you have the enemy's battle plan. You know where he hits you. He's going to hit you in one area or maybe two areas. But if you're going to fail and fall, it's going to be in probably one area or two areas. And so begin to strengthen. Come on that area and, and, and where you were once weak Come on, become strong in that in that place. The Bible says in 117, James 117, every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. I love the tension that we see here between shadows and light. And I want to remind you something that maybe you haven't heard in a long time, but any area that you bring light into the center of come on, the darkness has to flee and so what happens when we do life alone and and when we we act like we're okay when we're not okay we we allow that dark place to remain dark because we're not bringing the light into it the light of christ the light of god's word um and i'm just saying this that you don't have to be ashamed of temptation right you don't have to cover your shortcomings i'm telling you what i deal with temptation Bob Dempsey deals with temptation. His temptation might be different than mine. Sarah Wright. An angel deals with temptation. Right? You you want to take Mother Teresa. Dealt with tempt There were some things that she struggled with. And so why do we put off? And we we we've got all of these earthly religions that I've heard pastors say, man, I walk with God so much. I'm never even tempted anymore. Liar. I don't trust you and I will not listen to your podcast ever again. I don't believe that I believe I don't believe that there, you know, the, that we achieve that on this side come on of 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 eternity. I think that we're always going to have opportunities to, you know, to, to grow. And so invite God into the middle. First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 says this. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up underneath of it. Listen, I want you to know you're going to be tempted some of you every single day of your life and here's some things that you can do. Number 1 is avoid the situation. Like there are some things that you can just absolutely cut out of your life. You can avoid the situation, but there are some things that you cannot avoid. Yeah, you know what I mean? You like 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 you've got a really good paying job and your problem is with a coworker. You know what I mean? Maybe she's flirtatious with you. You're just so good looking, you young man. And uh, and she's flirtatious with you like you can't go. You can't not go to work. But I get, guarantee you what you can do is you can bring some accountability into the situation. So you've got somebody asking you every single day, hey, how's that, How'd that go? You know what I mean? Did you did you make good decisions? Did you find yourself not in a place that, that, that where you would be super vulnerable Number two is this counter temptation with God's word. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but 2021 is a, is a time and a season where we have to get back to the word of God personally, not just, you know, I wonder what pastor is going to speak about today, not just for me using God's word to put a message together, but really spending time in God's word so that we can just we can go back to just knowing and learning new things. Come on about him. The third thing is develop friendships like twenty twenty one. We've been doing small groups and doing pretty good job at at small group ministry. But listen, we have got to take our small group ministry to a completely different level in twenty twenty one. And so I want you to consider opening up your home. I want you to consider leading a small Bible study. I want you to consider, you know, maybe maybe doing a workout group with some with some ladies or some guys or just whatever it is that you have. But we have to get back to doing life together. We've been doing life apart for far too long, and we've got to get to know one another a little bit better. And, and, and the last one is commit uh, to prayer. We're doing that 21 days of prayer. So number three, and this is the last point, if Matt, you want to come up, your team. Last point is to live in victory. We have to live in victory. Sometimes people don't know how to live victorious. Like some of us, we've gotten to a place where God has just blessed us and he's blessed us and, and we've had victory. But some people, have you ever known somebody that just self-destruct? It's like if somebody doesn't have, uh, like like let's say you got somebody that's just been raised in a lot of drama. If, 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 if they don't have drama for a period of time, like they'll create the drama themselves. And I'm just saying in 2021, like, let's, let's let God do a completed work. Come on, let's let God, you know, allow us come on to live in victory or let's allow God to bring us into a place of, of victory where we can sustain and live in that place. I'm telling you what, church, if you don't quit, you're going to win. James chapter one and verse 18. And this is the last one. It says this, that he chose like, listen, we don't deserve it, and we didn't necessarily choose, but He chose to give us birth through the Word of Truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all that He created. Come on, it's God's plan for you to have abundant life. I want you to know, anybody that's bound in sin, it's God's plan that you walk in liberty and that you're not shackled by that thing anymore. For some of you that that have trust issues. It's God's plan that you trust again. It's God's plan that you love again, that you give yourself wholly and completely to Him and to others. Come on, it's God's plan. It's His idea for you to step into the purpose that He has placed on your life since the beginning of time. I I love this. We were, Javi and I, we were able to go and take, uh, take a young man out to lunch the other day uh, Isaiah Lynch, awesome kid. If you don't know him, get to know him. He's just awesome. I know he's a big help to hobby in the youth ministry of what they got going on back there. But I always ask Isaiah, Hey man, you've been reading your Bible? Or I just ask him crazy things. Sometimes I'll ask him, Hey, were you ever able to catch that girl you've been chasing? He's like, what girl? I know you weren't chasing no girl, but, um, but I was asking him, I was like, Hey, have you been reading your Bible? And, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every once in a while. And every night before I go to bed, I read it. And I said, have you ever been sharing it with anybody? He said, yeah. In fact, I've been sharing it with a friend and it spilled over to sharing it with the family. And now the family, like a whole family. Imagine this. Isaiah, how old is he? 15 years old, 16 years old. The whole family, they're gathering around. They're talking about the things of God. And guess who they call whenever they got a question about the end times or they got a question about about the, the, the Bible. They're calling this 15, 16 year old kid. Hey, what, what do you think about this or what do you think? of? And you know what, Isaiah? And this is what I love. It's more beautiful than anything. Like we should be ready to give an account. But you know what? I, you got to know this kid. He has no problem just being like, boom, sock you in the nose. and You don't even know you've been socked. He says, you know what, though? You don't have to ask me like you can read the Bible for yourself. Come on, is that great? What an incredible, incredible, incredible thing for a 15- or 16-year-old kid. Like, you can keep asking me, but he said, listen, you can read it for yourself. And I just, I just absolutely love that. The big idea of today is this, and I wish I had that cross right here in the center. In fact, I want you to picture that cross right here in the center. The big idea with today is the problem whenever we deal with struggles and temptations and trials and we tend to come up short is we're on the wrong side of the cross. We're on the wrong side of the cross. So I think that you, lead, you read from left to right. So yeah, I'm going to start here. So before Christ, you were over here doing all your crazy living and whatever it is that you did. Your story probably very different than mine. But you, you, you came up with some ideas over on this side of the cross This should be very different from your thinking on this side of the cross. But the problem is, is even though you come to the cross... You fail to allow yourself. Come on, to grow up on 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 the right side of the yeah, the right side of the cross, and really the right side of the cross. The the cross, the the side that you were supposed to come on live in. You see, see, we come to the cross, but we remain in our minds and our thinking over here. I'm not strong enough. Where you where you weren't strong enough. You where you were too weak over here. Come on the. You've got incredible strength over here you know i don't I don't know enough I'm not smart enough where where that may have been the case here come on, there's supernatural wisdom that is imparted to you. come on over here, and you can fill in the blank. I used to be this, but I was this. come on, you got to get God's word inside of you to understand what he says about you over here. The problem is is when we're really over our head in temptation and trials and struggles and it feels like we're brown, we're we're drowning it's because we are because we have allowed our mind come on to stay on that side see listen when the devil when the devil tempts you when he attacks you he's going to attack the old you Because he knows he has no chance of attacking the new you. And so if you continue to allow him to take you back over here and say, you're nothing but this, or you're nothing but that, or man, you are this, or you're that... then then He knows He's got you. But He ain't got no chance in destroying you if you know who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen? And I'm just saying this, that you have to live intentional because He can drag you back to this place without you even knowing it. In fact, you might even be setting up residence on this side of the cross even though you've come to, to Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. And unless you live intentionally, He'll keep you there for far too long. Amen? God bless you guys. I'm excited about this series.
0: That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch.